This is PhotoBizX, episode number 454, and today we are talking wedding photography and videography with the same guest. That's right, she does both. She offers both to her clients. Although she didn't feel she was great at business when I approached her for this interview, I learned that she's been in business since 2009 and her clients are spending between three and three and a half thousand US dollars every time they book her services. That was enough to me. I'm sure there are going to be a ton of takeaways in this one. Our special guest is Christina Montimaro, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast-track your success. Welcome to the PhotoBiz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. We're going to get into this interview with Christina in just a minute. And what I love about this one is Christina is all about her clients, her photography and videography business. She's not creating or doing anything to sell to other photographers. And I know these are the kind of interviews that are popular with you. So stick around for that one in just a minute. Linda and I are just back from a week away in a little beachside village called Mollymook on the south coast and it rained pretty much consistently (laughs) every single day. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Every day I wake up to this horrible weather and think, oh man, who is shooting a wedding today? Because what a nightmare. You would absolutely want to have your wet weather location sorted, have umbrellas at the ready and hope that your clients, your wedding clients are happy just to go with the flow and enjoy the day for what it is and not have their hearts absolutely set on certain locations because, man, it is always such a juggling act when the weather is as bad as it has been here at the moment. And of course, (laughs) maybe it is sunshine and birds singing where you are, but here in Australia, around Sydney, it has been absolutely horrible for pretty much two weeks straight. It's been the wettest summer we've ever experienced, and the next 10 days looks like more of the same. I, for one, cannot wait to see the sun shining again. With all that aside, we still had a great little getaway. Lots of chilling out. A couple of movies. We saw that new Belfast movie. If you get a chance to see that, uh, I didn't love the actual story. I think it could have been a lot better. (laughs) I think there were so many opportunities to, to pull at our emotions. But the cinematography was fantastic. It was shot in black and white and looked like a wide angle lens the whole movie and it was a totally different perspective to what you would normally see for a movie like this. I really did love that aspect of it and uh, I'm sure you will too if you get a chance to catch the movie. And and don't let me be a dampener uh, on the storyline because Linda absolutely loved it as it was. In addition to the movies, we also spent time eating out, sleeping in. I got some golf in, got out on my bike once and got absolutely drenched on a pothole country road off the highway with way more four-wheel drive traffic than I was expecting. (laughs) Anyway, back into it this week. The daily vlog challenge is in week three. We had a a one-week hiatus. So if you are part of this challenge, you should see today's unit already uploaded into the challenge Facebook group. And just quickly, before we get into this interview with Christina, if you didn't catch last week's updated interview with John Glazer, Get back and have a listen to that one. He is 
absolutely killing it in regards to business. He has hired help in the studio now. He's got someone doing his sales. He's got another photographer working in the studio. And he continues to hit milestone after milestone and shares exactly how it's going, what he's doing, what's working, what's not, and what's making the biggest differences in his business. So get back and have a listen to John Glazer's interview from last week if you haven't heard that one. It will inspire and potentially blow you away with what he's been achieving. Photo Biz Exposed. Interviews with photographers to help you build a better photography business. Finally, if you are hearing this announcement, it doesn't mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. All that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Christina. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what Christina shares in the first half, you want access to the full interview, you can easily do that for as little as $1 with a trial membership. It's a 30-day trial membership. You can access that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest, Christina Montemiro, was recommended to me by Jenny Stein, another podcaster, photographer, and past guest on this show. Jenny told me that Christina is amazing and offers both wedding photography and video. I reached out to Christina for an interview after taking a good look around her website and seeing more of her work, and she said in her initial reply to my request, I'm not great with sales or profit or marketing, but I am good with efficiency, workflow and productivity and customer service. And I may be a bit unique as I'm fairly evenly split between photography and video. We exchanged a few more messages and I went on to learn that she's been in business since 2009 and most wedding clients spend between $3,000 and $3,500 US dollars. So that was enough for me and my guess was there's more to discover about the business of this married mother of two who is based in Pittsburgh, USA. And I'm wrapped to say Christina is here with us now. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Look, I guess first up, can you tell us a little bit about Pittsburgh and you know where you live, who your market is, how big an area you draw from? Sure. So Pittsburgh, a lot of people, when they hear Pittsburgh, they picture a very industrial city because we have a long history of steel production and industrial blue collar kind of work. But that's really changed in the past, I would say, in the past 20 years. And now the focus of industry in Pittsburgh is healthcare and tech, uh, a lot of robotics. A lot of up-and-coming tech companies have headquarters here. Duolingo, for example, is headquartered here. And the downtown area of Pittsburgh has seen a wonderful rejuvenation over the past 20 years. And it's beautiful. Um, everyone should come to visit Pittsburgh. People <laughs> that come here are blown away at how beautiful our riverfront is and our bridges and our skyline. They say, wow, it doesn't look at all like I expected it would. So um, Pittsburgh is a very, very small downtown area. The actual city part of Pittsburgh geographically is very small, but it has a lot of neighborhoods that are very charming, different ethnic kinds of neighborhoods. So it's an extremely friendly city. Uh, so I'm originally from the Philadelphia side of the state, the eastern side of the state. And the fact that Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love is kind of a joke to me <laughs> because 
Philadelphia is not really that nice. And everyone in Pittsburgh is very down to earth, very friendly. It's really the one that should have that nickname. So I love living here. I've lived here 25 years now, which is hard to believe. Um, I am the mother of Pittsburghers now. So yeah, Pittsburgh is a fantastic city. So what about your clients? Like, are they young couples who live in the city and, you know, are just looking for a local photographer or are you, and are you shooting in the city or is all your work like in the more rural parts around the city? I would say that most of my clients are in the 30 to 35 age bracket. Some of them are even a little bit older. I do not, perhaps because I'm not the youngest photographer out there. Um, I'm 47. Going to go just go ahead and put that out there. <laughs> um, so I think that most of my clients tend to be older professional couples, whether they're teachers, physicians, lawyers, accountants, those kinds of people are the ones that are most likely to reach out to me. So a lot of them don't live in Pittsburgh, but their families are still here. So they're still getting married in the Pittsburgh area. I would say that the majority of my weddings are in the city or just outside the city. I don't do a ton of the barn weddings or the the weddings in the outlying areas of Pittsburgh, but I do have some. Nice. And how are these clients finding you? So it's a pretty good mix between referrals from other photographers, referrals from venues, referrals from past clients. And then the only paid advertising that I do is with a local vendor guide called Berg Brides, Berg like Pittsburgh. That's a kind of a preferred network of vendors in the Pittsburgh area. Got it. Okay. So you're not really spending a lot on marketing and advertising. No. Right. So, and I was interested to hear you say that most of your referrals, the first thing that came out of your mouth was referrals from other photographers. Is that where most of your referrals are coming from? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) If I were to rank them, I would, no, probably not. That's probably not number one. What is? It probably is Berg Brides. Okay. So what kind of an ad would you run in Berg Brides? I don't actually run any kind of advertising. It's kind of basically like The Knot, but just for Pittsburgh and way better than The Knot. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an online resource. It's not like a printed magazine. Right. Okay. So how do you get featured in there if it's not paid? Oh, it no, it is paid. Oh, okay. You are paid to be listed in the Berg Brides vendor guide, which is all online. It is a curated guide. So the founder of Berg Brides, um, Victoria, she won't take just anyone. She does vet the vendors to make sure that they're delivering a quality product. She'll reach out to other people in the industry to make sure that the vendors that she's listing there do good work and have good customer service. So it is a curated listing. Got it. Okay. So what does that cost to go into Berg Brides or is it different depending on the kind of feature you have? Yeah. I mean, you can do just an online listing. You can add on social media packages. You can be in the top, like the top line of your particular type of listing. So if you want to be in the top row of photographers, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of variation in what it costs. Okay, so I'm on here now. I'm on Berg Brides. And there's actually a lot of photographers in here. Like, And you're you're not top and center. You're sort of halfway down on the page that I can see. I think they're randomized. So if you refresh the page, that may change. But you're correct. I don't pay to be prioritized among their listing. But this still works well by the sound of it. It does, yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So what is it do you think about your listing that makes you stand out here or has the phone ringing or the email inquiries coming in? Well, I'm sure that there are a lot of people going to Berg Brides that are not going to connect to my listing. So I think that what does connect with people, if they are to select me from all of the, you know, like you said, there's a lot of people there. So why is someone going to pick me over any of the other number of photographers there? Um, it would be someone that's looking for a classic photographer, someone who's delivering timeless images and not trendy images. So there's, you know, there's a lot of trendy wedding photography out there, which can mean a number of different things, but my work is pretty much unchanged from when I started in 2009, that I've pretty much photographed people the same way I have since then. Um, my colors are true to life. So I'm not using any kind of editing preset that's going to alter the color from reality. And I think also my posing is pretty basic. It's pretty simple. The people in my photos look happy and comfortable and relaxed and like regular people that are getting married. They don't look like models. They don't look sullen. <laughs> um, they look happy. And I think that that's what connects with people that find me there. Isn't it funny that this is almost unique, the fact that your your photos are true to life, featuring happy, normal people? Yeah. <laughs> you know, without these you know crazy presets and uh, sullen faces, like you said. Um, have you felt pressure to change your style or are you just like, this is me, I'm staying in my lane, I love what I do. Just talk to me about your style. I haven't felt any pressure because it would be so uncomfortable to me to work any other way. There are people that have styles that are totally different than mine that are extremely successful, but I couldn't pull it off. Wow. So you just, you just do what you do and the right couples come to you. They find you. Yes. I love it. So what happens with Berg Brides specifically, if someone likes your listing, like what happens next? I'm just trying to find, I'm actually on this page. Do they reach out to you? They go to your website and reach out to you via website? Correct. Yeah, they would come to my website and fill out my contact form. And then I would say 95% of people want to talk to me before they book. Occasionally not. Some people, I've, I've had a few that will just send an email and I'll send them my, you know, my standard response. My standard response, which of course is somewhat personalized based on <laughs> what they've put into their contact form. And so occasionally someone just says, okay, yeah, sounds great. Send me the contract. But most people want to talk to me on the phone first. Sure, sure. Okay. And then you've also got another listing on here as a videographer because you do, you offer both. Does that mean you're paying twice the amount or do you just get a- Yes. Okay. You got to pay for two listings there. Right. Right. You get a discount for the second one. Right. Okay. And there's less competition here. So do you find you're getting more inquiries for video than photography? I don't think so. Maybe. Okay. And your videography, would you describe that as being the same style as your still photography? Yes. And I would say, I mean, videography is a little bit different because it's a little harder to describe to people the differences in videography style. And for a lot of people, videography is still novel. They still have the idea that, that videos are what they were in the 70s and 80s. A lot of people can see any wedding video that's made today and just think, wow, 
(laughs) That's amazing because all they know is their parents' wedding video. Yeah. So there can be a little bit of education in trying to help people differentiate between the styles of wedding videography that are out there right now. Got it. All right. I really want to dive into that aspect of your business, the fact that you shoot both, because I think that's pretty rare today. But let me just go back to my introduction and the emails that we exchanged. You know, you talked about your couples spending three to three and a half thousand dollars, which is amazing. It's fantastic. How many clients would you be shooting or photographing or working with in a year, roughly? Um, it's a tough question to answer because I do a lot of second shooting as well. So for example, this past year I filmed or photographed, I think it's 43 events. But if we break that down, some of them, I was a second shooter, although the events for which I was a second shooter this year, I edited a lot of those too, because I really love video editing and I did take on some extra video editing work that way. I also do some bar mitzvahs. So some of those events were bar mitzvahs that I photographed. And this year, I also had a lot of elopements, which were one hour events where you're basically photographing a 10 minute ceremony and then some portraits. Got it. Okay. Oh, wow. So you've so you got a really varied business, don't you? Yes, which is wonderful. I was going to say, you must love that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> but it also sounds like you're generating some great income. What makes you feel like you're not so good at the, the business side of things? Well, I've never done, and I think I hate never, I hate the whole, you know, you never say never, but I can't imagine I would ever do in-person sales. I don't really push products on people. And I don't process my own orders. I let people just process their own print orders through my proofing site, which is in Folio. So I know I lose a lot of income because of all of those things. Okay. So why is that? You mean, why don't I do those things? Well, you say that you feel like, or you know that you're losing income and you could make those changes. Why don't you? It's too much work. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I shouldn't say it's too much work because I love working and I spend a lot of time working. It's work that I wouldn't enjoy doing. Okay, right. So it sounds like you've built a business around your lifestyle, what you enjoy, and that's why you do what you do. Am I right there? Yes. It would be administrative work. That you don't enjoy. It would be administrative work that I would not enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so you're happy to leave, I mean, money on the table, I guess you could say, in exchange for a better lifestyle, a business that you enjoy more. Yes. Like I said, I'd rather take on an editing job than do any of those things. Okay. That's really interesting. And I respect you for that. I think that's fantastic. I mean, why not build the business that you want and and have the life that you want? I mean, look, when I was doing a bit of looking around and Googling you, I saw that, you know, you you did a, a trip to Iceland this year. Is it this year or last year, the trip to Iceland? That was this year. That was August, yeah. Yeah, and like you ran across the country, which sounds crazy to me. So life life is pretty good. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think I have a very good work-life balance. Fantastic. Tell me about the second shooting. So who was that for? Well, over the years, I've done second shooting of photography for a number of people you know, that I've met through the Pittsburgh photography community. This year, I don't think I I had a second shooting job. I think that a lot of people have cut out second shooters from their wedding packages or they don't have them as much as they used to. That's definitely true for me. But I have another videographer that I've 
become good friends with. And the two of us have done quite a bit of work for each other. So she's second shot for me. I have second shot for her. Sometimes I've had couples that want to book both photography and video. So she has been my lead videographer while I've been the lead photographer. So yeah, that's how that has worked. Okay. So when you form these relationships, you know, with these other photographers or videographers and do you put it out there, the fact that you're happy to second shoot? Is that something you make clear to anyone that you meet that's in the photography industry? I don't, that's probably going too far. (laughs) I wouldn't be happy to second shoot for just anyone or there would be a limit to how much second shooting I'd want to do because sometimes you'd just rather have a day off, you know, than take a second shooting job because, you know, (laughs) some of my friends and I have a saying about time and money. You can pick, (laughs) you can have time or you can have money, but you can't have both. And sometimes one is more important than the other. So there might be times where I would take the second shooting job because I want the money, or I just think it would be fun to take a second shooting job because it's a photographer I'd like to work with. But there are definitely times where I would rather have the time because I want to do something with my family or I want to, you know, I want to, I want to spend that day running or, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. I totally understand. And I I do the same thing, maybe not with second shooting, but yeah, I mean, I'm always thinking about, well, I could take on more work or I could have the day off. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. it's, It's a balancing act. So when you're second shooting, do you have set rates or is it something you negotiate with from photographer to photographer or videographer to videographer? It's usually determined by the primary, you know, they'll tell you, this is what I'm going to pay. And that could be another reason I don't take a second shooting job. If they're paying say $40 an hour, um, I'm probably not going to do it. So what would you do it for? At least $50 an hour for second shooting. Okay. And is that sort of a going rate in Pittsburgh? It is. And I've heard of people paying more or asking for more since COVID because, I mean, this year there were a couple of dates that were, that were really stressing me out as far as finding a second shooter. Like I said, I don't use a lot of second shooters anymore, at least not for photography, for video I do. But there were some dates where you just couldn't find anyone because everybody was so busy this year. And the dates that people didn't have their own event booked, they wanted risk going to somebody else's wedding and getting COVID and then not being able to cover their own event. It was, you know, it was, it was really hard. Yeah. I heard of a lot of people having trouble finding second shooters this year. That makes sense. So has COVID, is that like totally messed up you know, business for you? I was pretty lucky that almost all of my clients from last year postponed. I think I had one cancellation maybe two cancellations. So, I mean, it certainly was difficult and it made this year incredibly busy because of all of the 2021 bookings on top of all of the postponements. But I think I was fairly lucky compared to what I know a lot of people went through. The one exception was the, (laughs) I mean, this is a whole big thing. I don't want to get into this whole story (laughs) because it's a long story, but I did have somebody take me to court over there getting their retainer back after they, you know, they postponed, they postponed again, and then they canceled and then they wanted their retainer back. And I said, no. And they said, well, we're going to take you to court. And I said, good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Were they successful in getting their retainer back? So the funny thing is the court awarded them 50%. I got the feeling was, of course, this is all online court. It's a total sham. The whole thing was ridiculous. I didn't get the impression the judge was actually paying attention to what was happening. I say judge, it's a magistrate. It's not actually a judge. Our court system is very bizarre. 
Um, so they awarded them 50%. I think that's their attempt to just try and make everybody happy. Right. But the court never gave me any instructions about how to pay them the money. So I haven't given them their 50% because I don't, I don't really know how. <laughs> That's five months ago now, and they've never come asking for it. So How strange. Maybe I shouldn't be saying all of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. So you, I'm guessing that you had an agreement or a contract with the couple. Yes, there were about a dozen reasons that I presented to the magistrate as to why they absolutely were not entitled. The real irony, Andrew, about this is, is that this couple did reschedule their wedding. They had their wedding in, in July of this year. I know because their wedding video, they had hired me for video. They hired a different videographer. Their videos on Instagram. And they told the judge that they wanted their money back for me because they couldn't possibly have their wedding because of COVID. Meanwhile, they did have their wedding. They just hired somebody else to film it. It all made no sense. I mean, what amazes me from what you've shared is that the magistrate didn't look at this proof right. <laughs> or this uh, this evidence that you presented and just said, oh, look, 50-50, yep. we'll call it a day. It sounds like a lazy, a lazy way out of that for him or her. Yeah. And several attorneys had told me before this happened that that would be the outcome. They said, this is what magistrates do. They just cut it in half. And they were right. So did this process cost you anything? I mean, apart from the 50% that you might have to give back, but legal expenses wise? It cost me a lot of time. Right. What a pain. It did not cost me money other than I did pay to have someone rewrite my contract. I don't think that would have made a difference in the outcome of the court decision had I had the rewritten contract in place to begin with. It may protect me going forward, but based on my experience, I don't think that it would. I think it's luck of the draw of who you get as your magistrate. But I spent a lot of time preparing for this court process that in hindsight was a total waste. So a lot of time, a lot of stress and you know, a lot of emotional toll certainly on me. Not to mention the stress and, and the, the toll on you and family life that goes along with the cost, the time. The couple, would they be putting in as much time and effort as you? So it wasn't actually the couple, it was it was the parents. Oh, goodness. <laughs> of course, of course, it was the parents. And the parents didn't even sign the contract, which is another reason they should not have won because the contract was in the bride's name and the parents were the one who filed the court thing. It's just, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Well, what, a, what a messy situation. So is there anything looking back at that event that you could or would do differently, you know, if it was to happen again? I don't think so. I really feel like I did everything right. I mean, you wouldn't just get, look, how about we just, you know, go 50-50 and call it a day? Like that would save you a lot of time and stress. Would you do that? I don't think so. Because what if you got a magistrate that actually did listen? Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think I did the right thing. I felt like I felt an obligation to the wedding industry to stand up for us, to stand up for our contracts to defend our retainers, because that's the only thing that protects us. Yeah. You know, in the event industry, you have to guard what you've gotten to secure that date. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's why I was curious to know, would you do the same thing again? What about the time that you put into preparing for, you know, for the court case, if that's what you call it, would you do that again? Or if, if this happened with another client, would you just say, look, I'm just going to take it as it comes? 
Yeah, I might be a little more half-assed in my court preparations next time. That's the term I was thinking of. (laughs) Because I put together, I mean, I had a whole PowerPoint presentation with appendices and screenshots and knowing, you know, seeing the judge, the judge's face on Zoom and well, and yeah, (laughs) I had sent them all my documentation ahead of time and he claimed he didn't have it. Wow. You know, so what I'm referring to, he didn't even have it in front of me, even though I followed the procedure and the person at the court confirmed to me that they had received it. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know if I would try as hard. I think that's the only, maybe the only difference, but I think I still, well, you know, 99% of clients are not actually going to take you to court when they say they're going to take you to court. They don't actually follow through. Yeah, true, true. Did it get to the point, you know, in the hearing that you said to the magistrate, hey, you're not even paying attention, you're not even listening? Like, did it get that sort of personal? No, I wouldn't have had the courage to say that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, How much is your retainer? It was $749. And this was a wedding that was in one of the most expensive venues in Pittsburgh. They were going to be having 250, 300 guests I mean, this was going to be a big budget wedding. So the fact that they came after me for this tiny amount, I just I just couldn't believe it. And they also took their wedding planner to court. <laughs> for the same reason. Basically. So her situation's a little different, but also not. I mean, you know, I know that they had they had very large budgets in other parts of the wedding. You know, the other vendors that they had booked were all big ticket. So it was, it was, you just couldn't believe it that they were coming after us, considering how much money they would have been spending on this entire event. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Look, I'd love to hear about the videography as opposed to the photography. Like, which came first and which one do you prefer to do? So, photography came first. My first wedding photography gig was 2009 and 2011. I did a few wedding videos for free. So 2012 was the first year that I had paying videography clients. Which one do I prefer is a tough question that I get all the time. And it's hard to answer. But I think I think as the years have gone by, I probably prefer video. But there's things that I prefer about both. They both have their pros and cons. Do they both offer the same kind of uh, profit to you? No, photography is more profitable because of the opportunity for album sales, print sales. With video, it's just much harder to get people to buy anything extra. You can sell something like a full ceremony edit or you know, full speeches if they're getting a short film, but it's just much harder to make any kind of extra after the wedding. Got it. So what was it that drew you into videography if you were already, you know, shooting stills and probably having some success with it by the sound of it? So at the time, I still had a full-time job. I had a nine to five through 2014. That was when I quit. So I did have success with both, but I wasn't really full-time with either one until halfway through 2014. So I think what drew me to video was seeing a lack of quality work out there and having 
my couples ask me for recommendations for video and not really feeling like I had anybody that I could recommend. I would just say, you know, I don't know if it's really worth it for you to get a video knowing that at the time, most of the people out there, it was still sort of the same kinds of video that people were offering decades ago. (laughs) But I just don't think it's worth I still don't think it's worth paying for a video if you're not going to get a, a good videographer. You know, if you're looking for a budget video, like people that say, oh, I have $1,200 to spend for a videographer. I don't think it's worth it personally. Just have a friend set up a camera on a tripod or hold up their phone <laughs> because it's not, it's not going to be all that much better. So, uh, so I think that was the main reason was I basically, I thought I can do better at least in the Pittsburgh market. There were good videos in other markets, but not here. And I thought, there's an opportunity here to provide something that no one is doing. Okay. See, you are more business savvy than you give yourself credit for. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you how did you go about learning videography? Just self-taught, you know. Same way I learned photography, really. Just trial and error. Yeah, right. You know, some reading online. Uh, it's hard to remember now. That's 10 years ago. <laughs> so you didn't shadow or go out with another videographer and learn from them? No. Wow. Okay. And then the editing, I guess you downloaded some software and learned that. I did already have some editing skills from my my full-time job. I had done some video editing there and I had done some personal video projects. So I wasn't coming from a total, complete novice standpoint. But well, so, and the other thing you have to say is that the other game changer was that DSLR video was pretty new back then. So before, I mean, when did the Canon 5D Mark II come out? 2009, maybe? So that was a game changer for video, was suddenly we had cameras that could shoot video. Yeah. So you could take out the same camera and shoot video or stills, depending what the client wanted or what you're booked for, and you didn't need a whole lot of brand new equipment. Right. Except for lighting and audio, which are the, the real <laughs> stumbling blocks to switching to video is, you know, that scares everybody. And for good reason, audio is really a tough, tough thing to figure out. Okay. So how did you learn that? Was that trial and error as well? I mean, you go and buy some mics and practice. Yep. Yeah. Right. With family and friends first or actually at weddings? Um, I would practice at home first for sure. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you now start offering both. It was at 2014, uh, wedding photography and video. Does a client usually come to you you know, since then, you know, up until now, do they come to you and say, Christina, we want to book you for videography or photography, or they don't know and they let you choose? Most of the time they know which one they're coming to me for, and they're only coming to me for one. So in my contact form, there are check boxes. Which are you interested in? Photography, video, or both? Most people are only checking one box. So, and if whatever box they're picking, that's fine with me if they, you know, if they're interested in in one or the other, I'm not going to try and steer them the other way. I'm not even going to try and sell them on the other one because honestly, it's easier for me if I'm only responsible for one on the wedding day. There are days where I have a team that's offering both, but you know, the post-production when I have to edit all of those things from one wedding is a little overwhelming. Um, I can do it because I have kick-ass workflow and productivity, but I'm totally fine with just doing one, but, you know, kind of like we said before, I don't mind leaving money on the table of only doing one or the other because it's a more manageable workflow, or I should say level of work. 
Yeah, that makes sense. But on the other hand, I would expect that if you're the lead photographer, it'd be much easier to work with one of your own team as the videographer rather than you know trying to compete in inverted commas you know with another videographer. The interesting thing is that most of the people that hire me as photographer do not have a videographer. So I feel like I almost never work with another videographer. It does happen, but it doesn't happen very often. Where, of course, as a videographer, there's always a photographer. I've never done a wedding without a photographer. That just does not happen. Sure. Because you have both sides to your business, when you're at a wedding as a videographer and you're seeing these other photographers at work, is that usually a good experience? Do you come away with some ideas for your own business or do they close up because they know the fact that you shoot both? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Do you think it's any different for men or women? In which way? Is their age? Like, let's say you've got a 50-year-old female and a 50-year-old male photographer. Like, do you think it's the same for both? Well, that's a good question. I want to hear your answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my gut feel is it's easier for men. But I don't know that. That's so interesting. I was going to say it's easier for women. Oh, really? <laughs> I would guess. I don't. I really don't know. That's funny. Okay, we'll have to leave that to the listener, and uh, we'll get their feedback. What, why do you think it'd be easier for women? Because men will run more of the risk of being the creepy old man. <laughs> Is that how I come across to you? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And I know. I do know a few men that are older, a few, or wait, is it only one? (laughs) I know of at least one man that's older than I am. One that's my age that, that it seemed to still be doing pretty well. And I don't know. I don't know if I can think of any other women. There were several women that were my age that had fantastic photography businesses that now aren't doing weddings anymore. One who has a, a phenomenal education business of teaching photographers business and photography skills, um, Flourish Academy, shout out to Flourish Academy. They're terrific. And another one who's really moved on to photographing women, not quite boudoir, but sort of along those lines. But yeah, I feel like I'm one of the oldest <laughs> around here, which is weird. Cause I don't feel that old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still feel young as well. It's funny you say the creepy old man, because look, I mean, I never felt like that at a wedding, but I certainly started to get the feeling that my jokes and my references, like I might reference Seinfeld or an episode of Seinfeld, that was going way above the client's heads. Like they didn't even know about Seinfeld. And that's when you think, geez, I'm getting old. Or the Reservoir Dogs shot. Do you ever reference that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did back in the day, but not now. (laughs) Yeah, people, they don't know what that means anymore. Some of them do. Some of them do, but but a lot of them don't. But another irony though, too, is So this year I did quite a few doubles, you know, Friday, Saturday, back to back. And I even had a triple weekend where I did a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wow. You're way too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't think it was a big deal. And, you know, there were days where I was working on a Saturday when I had done the Friday before, and I'm working with these people, 10 to 15 youngers than I am that are whining about how exhausted they are. And I want to say like, Hey guys, I worked yesterday too. So I don't know. I think to me, all that comes down to is proper hydration. You got to drink a lot of water. You have to just put it in your mind. So it's two, sorry, it's three things, hydration, 
mentality. You just tell yourself, this is what I'm doing. This is, you know, this is, I'm working two weddings. It's no big deal. It's really, it's fine. Just, you know, get over it. And the other thing is just staying fit. You know, if you exercise regularly, then working two weddings in a row really is not a big deal. Yeah, I agree. I think the fitness thing is a huge part. But I also imagine today, like when I made the change from Nikon to Fuji, life got a lot easier. Not carrying the 7200 lens around all day on one shoulder and a 28 to 70 on the other, you know, going back to smaller cameras, smaller lenses, even single, uh, single camera system. That made life a lot easier too. You're shooting Canons, aren't you? Yeah, I'm still DSLRs. I've been thinking this off season, um, that's my two projects. One is looking into mirrorless and whether I want to consider switching. And the other is possibly eventually breaking down and getting a drone. Yeah. <laughs> uh drones yeah i'm not a fan of drones at weddings i mean i love some of the footage but i'm like when the videographer brings out the drone i'm like oh bloody hell here we go Mm -hmm. (laughs) right you're gonna be one of those videographers um there are times i think that it really would be nice to have if you're like if you're at a barn wedding if you're somewhere out in the country i think it would be nice to have at least it would be nice to have as an option i agree if you're in the city i think it's pointless i think photographers don't like it because the limelight's coming off them for a minute <laughs> it's going to the videographer. <laughs> we don't like that. Yeah. Last question, and I know we've gone way over here. I've got to ask you about Iceland and the run across the country. Like, how far was that, and how did you train for that? So it was two hundred nine miles over ten days. So it was nine days of running with a rest day. Day eight was a rest day. Twenty miles a day. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I think that the longest was thirty. The shortest was fourteen. Okay, like it's almost a marathon on average a day. That's crazy. Yes. Wow. You must be amazingly fit. Well, I'm very slow. <laughs> so I think if you run slowly, everyone has this idea, I think of, of maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of people think of running as <gasps> like you picture when you ran in, uh, in high school of how exhausting it was because you had to run as fast as you possibly can. Well, running doesn't have to be like that. You know, you can run at an easy pace that you can manage. And, um, you know, with, with time and training, you can run all day. Yeah, well, you know, you're reminding me, <laughs> and you probably don't run anything like this. Do you remember an Australian runner called Cliff Young? Is he the farmer guy? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if, you, if you're listening to this, if you're still with us, you have to Google Cliff Young. <laughs> And you can picture Christina running in his style, (laughs) (laughs) shuffling across Iceland. Uh, That's amazing. What's next? Is there another big, massive run you've got planned for 2022? Yeah. Where? Yeah, I'm going to run. I'm going to do a a stage event in the Outer Hebrides, which is uh, the outlying islands of Scotland. And it's 185 miles over six days. So it's, it's a shorter overall time but it's actually more miles i think it's going to be harder wow intense but it's not camping we get to sleep in actual beds no so iceland was camping as well it was camping and i had never been camping before really (laughs) your husband and kids must have thought christina you are crazy (laughs) yep yep that's what most people think (laughs) they're not wrong Look, I said it earlier, you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you have. It's been a real pleasure. So again, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. 
Hope you enjoyed that interview with Christina as much as I did. Christina, if you are listening, thank you again so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did. I'm sure that after listening back, you realize, like I do and the listener does, that you have a great business and you are better at business than you may have initially given yourself credit for. So again, Christina, thank you so much and good luck with your crazy big run in Scotland coming up. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Christina had to share. If you have a follow-up question for her, you can hit her up in the comments area at the bottom of the show notes. This week, they are at photobizx.com forward slash 454. Now, in those show notes, I've got examples of Christina's beautiful work. I've also got links to anything and everything that she mentioned. It's all there in the one spot. And of course, if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Christina into the members Facebook group. So you'll have easy access to her there. If you have any follow-up questions, if you want to get clarification on anything that she said or shared, or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did. Okay, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I hope you have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, healthy and well, and stay dry if you're anywhere near the east coast of Australia because we are in for another wet week. Alrighty, that's it from me. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 